Hey, people, what up? What's going on? Yes, yes, once again, once again, what's happening, people? Yeah, man, you already know what time it is. There, man, there with Greg and Case. We're back, episode six. Wow, and I'm telling you right now, every week it's getting better, better, and better. Yo, we're doing great stuff here, you know what I mean? So, you know, let's just pick up, the, let's keep the momentum flowing, man. What are you saying, Greg? Um, uh, what am I saying? I'm just kept trying to keep things together during this lockdown, you know. Um, got a couple projects on the go keeping me busy, but other than that, you know, just just, just doing my thing, innit? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing that I need to get sorted as soon as possible. Mm. My head is woofing, bro. <laughs> Yo, no, you gotta let that run. No, 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 you gotta let that run. Well, I'm, I'm um, looking super homeless. <laughs> like my, my mom got onto me the other day. She just looked at me and she was like, You need to shave. Uh, okay, hold on. Do you think I don't know this? I'm just taking hits. I'm in a struggle, bro. Tell me, but you know what it is? You know, like when you go on the road and you just I'm driving. And I ain't got no confidence, bro. The windows stay up now. <laughs> no confidence, bro. <laughs> I ain't got zero confidence, bro. Like, you know what I mean? that well, the thing is, is there anyone out there that can really say anything? We're all in the Not same really, place. and that, that's the positive side of it. That's the positive side. No one can really say nothing, but right, I don't... If I ain't got a hood on, a hoodie on, or a hat, I don't feel good, and I had no excuse the last couple of days because it was good weather. So... Is what it is anyway. Yeah, good weather got your people down in London acting a fool, bro. Acting a fool. You know what? You look from London, yeah? Give the UK a chance, innit? That's all I'm gonna say, innit? I'm not gonna go into it. Greg, you know what I'm talking about? Just just give us a chance. You know what's gonna happen? You know, this whole thing will be over and the authorities then will know that it's over, but they'll just punish us for another extra couple weeks because of them and there. You look damn man there. Uh, you know what you need to do? Every time we mention something like them man there, you need to put like a siren on or something like that. You know what I mean? We become like them films that always mention the title and Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get a soundboard, you know. Uh, just for the part we're gonna get a soundboard, have our little drops, our little sound effects. That's it man. That's it. You know, this is what we're doing for you people, man. Production values, you get me? And then we're trying to evolve, man, we're trying to evolve. Yeah man, so um let's get into it. Like so we we, we we're both um into basketball, uh, we're in the basketball scene. Um we both coach basketball. That's right. Um, so, at the moment, I'm coaching Lancashire Spinners, uh, senior men. That was last season in Division Three North. Yeah. Uh, pick up to them. Hopefully, we'll be applying for Division Two um, for 2020-2021. Hopefully, that comes through. Uh, where you coach at, Case? Well, I'm coaching at. Uh, you know, I'm, I've got my hand in a few pools actually. Um, I'm coaching at University of Manchester, uh, where we had a terrific season and got promoted but because of the virus situation it's kind of stifled at the moment and i've got my own program which is manchester kings which is only two years old and we're, we're making the right steps man we're making the right steps okay um so it's it's a funny old game coaching right so uh here's a question for you and i'll let you go first as the og on the pod <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. now, um, it's a question of um I don't know if you have a story or something that happened or whatever it might be that led you to being the coach you are now like that shaped you to be the coach you are now if you have any of those uh just let's talk about that real quick you know what i will and you know what like i said it's, it's gonna have a bit of a a start a slight middle and then the end of it which is uh 
it's quite it's got quite humor to it so you know what i mean I'll, along the way i'll give i'll give recognition to whoever helped me along the way in the craft so obviously you know me being from london you know um almost london so the whole basketball for me when i came into the, the scene of basketball in itself it wasn't until about probably 13 years old you know what i mean and then they'll say at that time you know, I mean, you've never, I've, I've gone, I went through so many different transitions, so I didn't take it seriously, then I took it seriously. Then I was cut from Brent, which is the Borough squad, by my best friend. It was like me and my best friend, and I lost to him, and I lost out on the Borough. Um, and then I went to Westminster Warriors, where everything started for me, so shout out Westminster Warriors for this. And then obviously for there, that's when I kind of identified basketball and how serious it was. But on my first training session, and I'll say this, and I probably told you before, my first training session there, Right, the intensity was so hard for me, Greg. Literally halfway through, I said I needed to go to the toilet, and I grabbed my bag and I ran out. You ducked. I ducked. <laughs> like I said, no, nope, I'm not grabbing that. It's too hard for me. <laughs> I ran out. Who caught you? At the time, we had um, Sterling Machette. So shout out to Sterling, and we had Normal Sherry. Sh- so shout out to Normal as well. Hey, uh, listen, yo. Sterling's been in the game, yo. Been in the game, so so that's you kind of know what I'm dealing with. So Sterling and Namo, and then obviously you had the overseer, which was Mr. Steve Alexander himself. So um, yeah, so we I came for, I came into that, and it kind of intimidated me as and such. And then I came back, and then obviously continued after my friends persuaded me to come back. So anyway, now I think I got to about I mean I think I must have got to about 23. And I decided that I wanted to do the coaching thing, you know, I mean, after playing a bit and stuff like that. And um, an opportunity came with the women's program to coach the women's program. And um, I went to Steve Alexander and I said to Steve, Steve, I want to coach now. He's like, Michael, me, Michael, meet me in my office. If you're serious about this, we'll talk, innit? You know what I mean? So obviously I met him in his office and we spoke about it. And then obviously he kind of set me up a little bit. So obviously I've inherited this team now, obviously first time coaching and stuff like that. I had no expectation in regards to what I was going to do or whatever. I was kind of going with the flow of what I learned. As you know, you know, the first thing you do is when you go back into coaching, you pick up from what you learned and kind of go with that. So I did that um, and I think it was three games in, we had a game and this is where it changed me. Three games in, we had a game and we were losing the game real bad. And literally, it was about four minutes left, Greg, and I just stopped talking. I absolutely went silent. I didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. I was just watching my team get smoked, and I had nothing on the table to offer. So, as this is happening, Steve Alexander's come down and seen this, and he's looked at me after the game. He's like, Michael, get him out of this right now. So, after the game, gone up to the office. I'm telling you, I took the biggest rollicking ever. He was like, what the hell is this? What the hell are you doing? Why are you just standing there? You can't do that. Don't ever let your team see you do that. Is it? Right. You, gotta, you know, you, you got to keep talking, stay active and get mad. Kick a chair, get a technical foul. Show them that you care. You get what I'm saying? So he's going off on me and I'm like, listen, nice kick a chair, you know. <laughs> oh, but if you know the coach Steve wants, this was kind of his, kind of, this is his armor, bro. This is his arsenal. This way, yo. Anyone that knows Steve, when he's Steve coach, whether you've been in it, playing with him or against him, you know how he get he used to get on. Like technicals was his thing. That there wasn't a game where he didn't get one. So anyway, so we should kind of showing them, show that you're fighting for them, they'll fight for you. So after we spoke about that, that kind of changed my the way I dealt with things. I was more hands on. You know what I mean? 
um, are more approachable, had things more planned out, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So, we, and then we kind of dug deep into, um, <clears throat> we dug deep into obviously trying to fine tune everybody and trying to make them exceed their weaknesses, you know what I mean, on a mental side. So after that kind of, you know what, that was my platform, Greg. And then after that, obviously, you kind of put your own elements into it. You know what I mean? And get your combinations coming in. Over my thing, over my period at Junior Basketball, we had Namo, which was a mental coach. James Markham, shout out to James Markham, which was a mental coach. You had Shea and you had Sterling, which Sterling showed emotion, but passion. You know what I mean? And then you had the tactician, Namo, again. So we had a combination of different coaches coming in and kind of that kind of paved the way in it though i kind of took a few elements and made my own cake if you understand what i'm saying and, and you know from there it's kind of res- it's a respected uh, it's a respected philosophy now yeah and that, that's kind of the thing is there's no one right way to be a coach right exactly. so as you say you know, you, you stole elements from Sterling, you stole elements from Namo, you stole elements from Markham. And, you know, each of them were their own person and they were probably a combination of the people they came across during their time. Exactly. So, how much do you rely on your playing days in your coaching? To be honest, now, I'm not so much because, you know, I mean, as much as we know what we know back then, we have to understand that the game evolves and it changes. So you kind of use, I use it as a base and the rest of it is, it, where it used to start, it was probably about 80% then. Now, I'd probably say it's it's 20% then and, and the rest is me. Okay. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a big thing to be able to, you know, step away from your playing days competitively anyway, as early as you did. Oh, you and just you know apply yourself to coaching and dedicate yourself to it you know because you know and these people are important don't get me wrong like i don't think there'd be much of a national league without them but like you know the the dads and uncles that you get yeah. in some of the junior national league situations where it's all off no one wants to coach okay i'll do it otherwise there's no team um you have to understand that those guys have only so much time in the week. They they have their full-time jobs. They're raising a family, got other things on the go. Then they have to, you know, show up on a Monday, Tuesday, whenever they do to coach, you know, the team. Yeah. Um, usually in a school sports hall where there's, you know, a guy waiting to kick you out on o'clock. Bang on time. Bang you know? on time. So there's there's not much spare time left for them to really work on their craft and stuff like that so you know you have to recognize those guys but there's there's definitely something to be said for the different perspective you get from former players so as as a former teammate who can you point out and say you know when i look at my players now i think of how this guy used to apply himself from back in our playing days and how they were and I'm trying to get that kind of situation. Who can you identify? Right, so there was one guy, and right, there, was, there was two guys, but one guy really stood out to me, um, and his name is Patrick Avorkia. Patrick Avorkia. Now, he coaches now, and he runs the whole St. Charles Basketball Academy down in London, in Lubbock Road. So he was your teammate in under-18s, yeah? Yeah, he was my teammate under even under-20s, yeah. Um, and... What I mean with this guy here, you know, he spent so much time in China 
affect his craft and, um, and and trying to get the best situation and so much different things and and the way his mind was the way his ability was you know what i mean it was it was exceptional it was absolutely exceptional and um i'd probably say definitely it was him who kind of it's, it's him who i was kind of say reflect and try to get out of my plays in that in that way is definitely him. yeah so i'm like well for one shout out to patrick but um your your coaching journey then started. What are we looking at now? Sixteen years ago. Jesus Christ! Now old I am. <laughs> it started early, and yeah, sixteen years ago it started. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, for those of you who've been actually paying attention, now you know how old Michael is. <laughs> but yeah, sixteen years ago. In sixteen years, let's not lie to ourselves. Right. This is not the same game you started coaching. Oh, absolutely not. No. How have you adapted to it, uh, and how hard has it been to adapt to it on the way? It hasn't been. It hasn't been easy. I'd say it hasn't been easy because people forget what people are. What people don't understand about coaches in general. People feel, oh yeah, you just pick up a clipboard, you point this, that, and the other. What they don't understand is that every day we're learning. We're learning different stuff. We're understanding different things. We're looking at elements. You know, I mean, there's a lot of thought process that goes into it. So, as the game evolves yearly, or even it could be even more frequent than that, you have to kind of, how can I put it? You want to put your players in a situation where they kind of work in a particular way, but also you have to cater for them. And if that makes sense, yeah. So you have to you have to work for them. But you have to you have to cater for what you want, but also cater for what they can do and stuff like that. So the transition along the way, um, it's there's so many obstacles in regards to facility availability. You know what I mean? Commitments and all the other stuff. You know, people. You know what I mean? Spending more time socially than they will with basketball. And you know what I mean? There's so many obstacles that you over have to overcome to get to get the right thing and. Um, so it hasn't been the hasn't been the easiest journey, and and you could probably relate to me on that in that in that sense. Um, well, um, if you can, I, I've taken a, a a different path to how you got to where you got to over the last few years. But um, what I'll say is, and I I truly believe this is that I've been pretty spoiled as a coach on my journey. Yeah. In terms of you know, I've had access to some people that you know it can be a game changer for you like seriously and these are the type of people that are always willing to pick up a phone and answer questions or sit down in an office and talk go back and forth and it doesn't even necessarily have to be us talking about basketball they'll talk to me about anything yeah you know and again like you say each of them are made up in different ways like the more technical guys the tactical guys the, the performance analysis guys, the mental guys, and in much the same way, I've, I've learned to take little bits from each of them. So going back to the beginning, I started playing a lot older in my life than you were when you started playing. Mm. Simply because, I'm not gonna lie, man was a midget, innit? Until <laughs> at age 14, I was about five, three, five, four. Now I'd always watch basketball, always enjoyed basketball. You know, my dad used to have NBA games on VHS back in the day, he used to watch those. But like I wasn't a fool man and I was very aware of my size or lack of it. So I never really got into playing basketball. Um yeah. although you know I had a basketball at home, I'd just mess around with it in the backyard, dribbling and stuff like that. I didn't have a hoop, so the only thing I was doing was dribbling. 
but then around the time I was 15, 16, I had like a seven inch growth spurt to what I am now, which is about 5'11". When says, that happened, I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can give this a shot. Maybe I can give this a shot. So, you know, I just went to a local session um, here in Tameside where I lived um, in Greater Manchester. Yeah. Uh, just had a mess around. I enjoyed it. I kept going back, kept going back. And then da, 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 National League happened. Ended up going to university, kind of playing for a few clubs, etc., etc. But that's my playing days. Not that important because I was a very average player. I'll tell you that. But along the way, when I ended up in Cardiff, um, I came across a man named Damian Jennings. Okay. He was um, the head coach of the women's team, uh, women's team in Bucks and women's team in NBL Division One. Or what was the EBL at the time, right? Yeah. This was a very strong program that he had, like ridiculously strong um, for for British basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, I was bored, and you know, I was I was away from home, living in Cardiff, not a lot to do, not didn't know a lot of people apart from the people on my course and the people on the basketball team. So I used to fill a lot of my time by just being around the gym. You know, whether whether or not I was doing anything was irrelevant. I just wanted to be there, right? And I was there that much. He turned and said, you know, make yourself useful. It just started out with, you know, getting the, the, the equipment ready for practice and stuff like that for their practice before we practiced the men's mm. team. So they practiced first, we were after. So I did that. And then, like, he's massive. He was the performance analysis tutor at the uni. So I, yeah. I just asked him questions about that, you know, just kept asking, kept asking, kept asking. And, you know, he talked to me about it and then I started just hanging around the team a little bit more in no official capacity, but I was just, you know, I was a pest. I was hanging around them all the time. So it became my thing that I wanted to learn that side of things, which I ended up doing. Yeah. And then once I left Cardiff, um, I went to Birmingham um, and I ended up uh, emailing uh, Stephen Barnes. Yeah. Looking for someone to play, you know. He emailed me back. Honestly, he emailed me back in minutes. Come down on such and such a day. We're in Sutton Coalfield, etc., etc. I went down. Um, he told me to get there early. And I got there half an hour before practice, and he sat down for the whole half an hour, just talking to me, finding out, you know, you know, what's my deal? Why am I there? You know, how come I didn't go to such and such a place, which was maybe nearer for me, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, we just. We, we, we spoke for the half hour and then I practiced and the thing I noticed about him in that first practice that I had with him which is what made me go back was when the, the, the team started arriving for practice he made sure he was stood near the door yeah. and the second anyone stepped in the building he's great shaking their hand greeting them smile on his face enthusiastic yeah like, well, you know it's 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 a nothing thing you know but I I, it, I picked up on it and it, it it, it meant something to me yeah so he was that guy so I I was it ended up being a season and a half that I was there with those guys um, I learned a lot from Stephen and then after that I came home back to the Manchester area played for Stockport um, which was my last playing days but I, I coached Stockport senior men the year after I stopped playing Right. Um, we only actually had a half season because the team had to withdraw for financial reasons. But for me, that season, I was all about like just X's and O's and stuff like that. That was, you know, what I was focusing on. That was what my mindset was. 
and then the next year i got an opportunity to start coaching uh juniors at manchester magic yeah. as an assistant so i went over there and again naively x's and o's x's and o's uh technical stuff you know let's let's do individuals let's make you an awesome skill player and, and let's teach you players and stuff like that was what i was doing yeah. and throughout that first season i was very caught up in that uh, that way of thinking uh we actually won the under 18 national cup um in february of that season february 2015 yeah. and one of the players i had at spinners this past season was actually on that team joe swindles okay okay so in my head i'm doing the right thing yeah you just want something the season after that we had an under 16 group which was by far and away the best in the country and there was no question about it i think all season we lost one game by the way which was the last league game we had yeah uh, we're talking about league cup playoffs everything lost one game there was a group that had michael and number jackson rowe alex roberts uh where sam shepherd in that squad there, there was a lot of kids who've done some decent things since then in that squad and again yeah. i was caught up in the the winning side of things and the more we won the more it reinforced this feeling in my head yeah i'm going to fast forward to the end of the season where the day after the national championship which was just by coincidence at what was the amici center manchester basketball center now we go yeah. on for a meeting with joe forber who is most of you will know Joe Forber. He's the patriarch of Manchester basketball. He's Mr. Manchester Magic and Mystics. Um, not going to get into his history right now. That's a, that's, another, that's a topic for another day. So we go into this meeting the day after, you know, we won under-16 title. Bear in mind, we'd also won the under-16 cup down in London in February. First thing he says in the meeting, I'm not kidding you, Michael. All right. Don't think you're a good coach because you're not. Okay. <laughs> Straight like that. And... Just because of who it was saying it, I didn't take it personally. I wanted to hear more. I was like, where are you going with this, Joe? And not going into the detail, he explained why he said that. And the core of what he was saying to me had to do with what I valued at the time that was winning. Right. right? And I went away from that meeting, thought about it, thought about it. And like that had an effect on me because... Over that off season, I made a decision to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different tack now. Gonna focus on more development of the game, development of players. So that then led to me deciding to shift from the boys program to the girls program. Yeah. Because I thought I probably had a better chance of making that transition um, in my mentality with the girls program than I did with the boys, just because of um, what I perceive to be the quote-unquote focus on a winning culture amongst the boys program. Yeah, that was that. That was the way I saw it. So I started with the girls that season, and almost straight away I saw the difference from the boys to the girls in the way they approach things, what they thought was important for them. Obviously, everybody that does anything competitively, you want to win. Yeah. But I thought the girls were very aware of where they were as players and where they wanted to be yeah. whereas boys a lot of other boys just you know they they mm-hmm. want to run all the time get on the floor play flex on each other all that kind of mad stuff that they do ego yeah mad ego so skip that season now this is the moment where it really turned for me um, we're looking at season I want to say 17-18 okay right that season for um the girls program 
there was behind the scenes a lot of turmoil a lot of turmoil like the, the it pretty much shook up the girls program right right it's not for me to go into the nitty-gritty of what was right. actually going on um but essentially what happened is we ended up having a coaching change mid-season and that coaching change threw me straight into the hot seat basically which was a gift a gift and a curse the gift part was you know with everything that was going on at that time with that situation i was being trusted to right the ship yeah the curse was you're inheriting a situation that we all know is not a healthy one at the minute yeah go make the best of it okay whatever i i, I didn't I, I wasn't really worried about that i didn't complain but what you're dealing with there is you had a bunch of girls who weren't enjoying their basketball um, yeah. almost dreaded coming to practice played with what now is clear was a lot of fear yeah um and self-doubt obviously so the first thing we did and this is like very important to me that i had these guys to lean on at the time joe andrew and nat Furtado. Right. we were all in it together whether or not it was this person's belief that we were listen we really you know bounced off each other and relied on each other for different things Absolutely. so having them with me was a very, uh, definitely a godsend because we decided we're going to take everything we started the season doing scrunch it up and throw it in the bin start from zero no yeah. set plays none of that basic motion let's go let's do that make decisions right or wrong if it's a good decision while done if it's a poor decision we'll talk about it afterwards and see how we can improve on that that you know that was our approach at that stage because like i say they weren't enjoying playing so you know how well is someone going to be able to execute a play when they don't even want to do it and also the group was pretty inexperienced you know most of them were either coming from under 14s or under 16s conference up to playing premier yes jump unless you've seen the difference i can't describe it so we'd win a game lose one win two lose three you know that kind of situation yeah up until i think it was a game at the back end of february and I remember who the opponent was as well. It was Seven Oaks Suns. Okay. Now, we actually played this same Seven Oaks team six days before at their place and lost by, I think it was six points. Right. And that game bothered me a lot because we were up by, I think, close to 20 at halftime of that game and we went on to lose. Now, naturally, you think that I was bothered by the fact that we lost the game, but what bothered me was the nature of how things just deteriorated in the second half yeah. what actually happened and what i felt like is that these girls almost didn't believe they deserved to win that game that's what it looked like yeah which is how it went from sugar to shit so quickly right and the whole week like i'm losing sleep i'm losing sleep thinking about it like during that week because it, it did not make sense to me how did we get here what is actually the problem and it was bugging me so much we practiced tuesday that we practiced thursday and i've still not reached a solution i don't understand what's going on um and just out of the blue friday night it hit me it, it literally hit me like a truck in the face so i thought i wrote down a few notes that night put them in a notebook read it back two three times i was like i think i might be onto something here oh i went to sleep i went to sleep like it was the first day of school tomorrow you know what i mean them ones right <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i i was like yeah i we, we might be onto something here woke up got to the center early dumb early you know why because i wanted to mark my territory in the drama room 
if if anyone knows about the Manchester Basketball Centre, you know that you the home teams you want to have the drama room for your changing room if you can because one it's spacious, two like there's a lot of whiteboards in there you can use. It's comfortable, etc. So I just wanted to make sure that we had it that day. No one else. I needed it. Right. So I wrote down on the on the whiteboard the notes I'd written the night before about what I thought was going on. Flipped it around so no one could see, and then I wrote the game plan for that game on the other side. Right. So when the girls came in, normal routine. Da da da. We did the game plan, etc. After they got changed before we go back out on the court normally we'd leave after the game plan but i said hold on and by the way that day we didn't say i made sure everyone was stood up like holding a just holding someone's jersey next to them like a huddle type thing yeah um and then once we're done with the game plan i flipped around the board and i said okay i've been thinking about what's happening with us and where we are especially based on last week's game and i had the board split into two on the left i wrote in big red letters faults right and on the right i wrote responsibility right. under each of these headings i had bullet points as to what thinking about each of these creates in your mind yeah, yeah. and i said honestly pretty much from the first game of this season we've been on the left side of this board the whole time for for many different reasons right we're not gonna get into that you know something will happen in the game and we're quick to point out and recognize whose fault it was. You turned the ball over, that's your fault. You missed a defensive assignment, that's your fault. You know, that kind of thing. That's where we that's were. Really, yeah. And that previous game against Seven Oaks the week before, that's exactly what was going on in the second half. One small mistake because it became a finger pointing contest snowballed into a massive clusterfuck. And it does. It does indeed. Right? So that was the thing that had been bothering me. Now, underneath responsibility, I'd written down what happens when you consider responsibility. Okay, Casey, you turn the ball over. Mm. It's our responsibility to get back in transition and stop this break. Absolutely. Right? I missed a shot. It's now my responsibility to consider whether or not that was a good shot. Can I get? Can we get a better shot next time down the floor? Yeah. You know, that kind of approach. And I said to the girl that day, today is the last day we speak about the left side of this board. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want it to happen again. I am encouraging you to go out there and mess up if that's what it comes to. But I want you to play. Just play. All right. All this fear we've been having about making mistakes because someone's going to point their finger at us. Someone's going to cuss us out. It's, it's done. We're not doing that no more. We're worrying about responsibility. Okay, I'm responsible for putting you guys in a position to win. I'm responsible for putting things in place to make sure you enjoy the game. You be responsible for each other. Be responsible for yourself. Okay, we're not going to worry about whose fault it is. If if some if someone turns the ball over, we all saw it. All right. Do we need to remind them that it was their fault? No, they know it. That's right. Let's deal with the responsibility of things. And for me, that was the true turning point for me in my coaching in that, you know, you, I learned from that day to empower players and to remove the fear of failure. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the age. It could be the youngest age group. It could be my senior men that I had this past season. Remove yeah. the fear of failure from coaching. Absolutely. So that that was the biggest thing for me. So would you, would when, when you were... Uh... <clears throat> with the women's program 
um, when you first started. Obviously, you, like you said, you mentioned um, that obviously before you took over, there was like the unsettlement, people not being uh, <clears throat> upbeat about practice and stuff like that. As a coach coming in, because it was similar to my first year in Manchester, did you see it as an opportunity to kind of suffer to challenge you to say, yeah, this is how it is. I just need to overturn this. I mean, because when I was at Manchester, and as soon as I knew that I can overturn what they didn't like, then I gained everybody's trust. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what, what was it with you when it kind of saw that that's how it was, I need to make that change? What was your mindset at the time? Um, I couldn't be that um, gung-ho about it because if I'm being honest, like on reflection, I could say that I was probably part of the problem. Right, okay. In so much as that I didn't confront it as aggressively as I should have when it was happening, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, you know, you'll say things behind the scenes and try and do it that way. But obviously, you have relationships with people. You work together. You're not trying to burn bridges. Yeah. So where I maybe could have taken a more aggressive approach to trying to deal with the problem, maybe even before it really became a thing, I didn't do that. I'm still trying to massage the situation, you know, keep people happy. Yeah, yeah. Cool. This is before the, the major change happened, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So on the on the way to that, I was still sort of soft-handing it. And, you know, that, on reflect, that is me being part of the problem because I'm not helping to fix it. Yeah. But once I did get the chance to say, okay, this is a point where we can say zero AD, let's draw a line here. Yeah. Um... That's, that's what we did as a group, you know, and we move forward from there. Good, man. That's a really good story, man. That's motivating. Captive. I love it completely. So, you know, out there for those who are coaching and stuff like that now, you know, I mean, you, you, you can start at one point, get to another, but there has to be that transition in between. Um, for myself, like I said, it was learning from others, taking others, then transferring it and kind of making my my pattern. Um, obviously, with Coach Greg, same you know, and, and it kind of makes you guys understand that obviously it's just easier than just, it's, it's not as simple as just picking up a board and saying X and O's as we call it. Yeah, and I also want to acknowledge someone. Um, obviously on the way to trying to shape things to be the way I thought they needed to be now, once I was in that position, you know, we're trying yeah. to demonstrate to the girls, you're not an afterthought in this program anymore, you're a priority, so we want to give you the best of everything we can provide. Right, um, we're planning our National League camp. So this was the first girls-only National League camp we had at that club in Manchester, right? Yeah. Whereas before it was girls and boys mixed. And to be fair, some girls would show up in the past, but then there's something to be said for having your own thing, right? They were reluctant to show up and be mixed up with a million boys doing what the boys do on the same court as them because they didn't feel comfortable with that. You could tell. Yeah, but now they've got their own camp, and we're putting this on. So um, we're planning it. Um, I'm going through day plans with Joe and Nat. Um, what is it we want to do on whatever day? How do we want to structure this? And as I'm planning each day, I'm thinking about who can we have lead this? Like who can help us with you know delivering this a different voice than the one they hear every day? Yeah. I picked up the phone. I rang Sterling and I said, "Look, here's the deal." This is what we're doing. We're running National League camp for the girls. Can I bring you up to Manchester to run a day during this camp? Didn't hesitate. I'm coming. When do you want me? Straight away. Like, as soon as I stopped saying, can you help? He was like, I'm there. Yeah. Right? I offered to pay this man at the rate that we paid coaches on the camp, right? Yeah. Plus 
some for his travel. Greg, don't insult me. I was at Sterling, man. Yeah, Greg, don't insult me. You asked me to come, I'm coming. I'm not asking for your money. He came down, so what What I asked him to lead on in particular was um, pick and roll. Yeah. Honest to God, the end of that day, so that was um, the third day of camp when he came, so that was the Saturday. The feedback after that day, just talking to the girls, they were like, they loved him. They loved what he had to say. They loved how he delivered it. Like, uh, honest to God, like, I know you listen, Sterling. I know you listen. So in front of everybody, from the bottom of my heart, I'm saying thank you, man. Sterling, Sterling. Like, yeah. that's not the only thing, honestly, he's done for me. But that, that is one that I can sort of put out there yeah. that he maybe won't get mad at me about. Because <laughs> some of the other ones, you'll be yeah, like, I got some stories, man. I got some stories, but I won't put you out there like that, Sterling. But you know, yeah. like so in front of everyone, I'm letting them know, man, you're like golden guy, man, straight up. 100%. Again, part of the the reason I played that Warriors was because of you. You know, what I mean, you showed that passion and that emotional side, um, and it, it, like I said, it, it will forever stick in my mind. So yeah, like Greg said, big shout, big respect, big love. Yeah, man. Okay, so it's gonna put a little bit of lightness in the mood <laughs> especially with what's going on right now man maybe we can put you guys up on a little bit of game that'll get you through a day right right absolutely what we got what we got um we we tend to do top fives from time to time on this show i got one let's do comedians okay oh yeah stand-up comedians not tv comedians like you know steve carroll and their man there um let's 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 do stand-up comedians right and you know growing up in a certain period of time i feel like there was kind of a golden age of stand-up comedy yeah yeah definitely was a, there was a definite golden age of stand-up comedy and uh, uh, i don't know if you want to do a top five or are we just shouting out you know I our think, favorite guys I think what we can do in total let's do because we're probably going to cross paths on a few of them so let's just see how it goes with about six of them and see if, if we don't cross paths and we can add maybe one or two but i i think we're gonna cross paths on a few of them definitely, definitely. yeah so I'll, I'll just start off with one like in general i i I'm a, I'm a bit of a thinking man yeah right so sometimes when i'm in my downtime or i want something that's just ridiculous stupid like nonsense you know to have fun with not everything's about being super cerebral and stuff like that so one of the comedians i like right in terms of that just being an idiot is um eddie griffin okay 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 and if you might think i'm playing when i say this guy is an idiot bruv <laughs> he had a segment in one of his stand-ups um that he called i think it was michael jackson on crack <laughs> <laughs> just the description of saying that right you can just imagine where he went with this uh, eddie griffin started off as a young young comedian um he was on stage by himself i wouldn't say physical comedy but he was definitely active on stage yeah and he opened up one of his shows talking about like most comedians do real stuff that had just happened in, in america where he's from yeah but the way he uh he he just made it so funny that you couldn't help but laugh about what was actually a serious situation he was talking about um a bank robbery that had happened yeah uh 
do you know this one case where he said um, oh no no you know what i'm gonna say something i, I, I know a few stuff from eddie griffin but i'm not the full follower of it but go on i'm listening so basically he's talking about he, he, he the angle he put on it is we need more police <laughs> my money ain't safe <laughs> the reason he's saying that is he saw how these men treated the feds yeah and he's like if these guys are doing this to the police then i need to reconsider where i put my money because there's nothing these guys can do for me that's true he's <laughs> <laughs> like he's like just the description of one thing he said okay um suppression fire he said the police were they had this guy surrounded and he's hiding behind one of the sheriff cars and I'm thinking to myself, if it's on live TV, like things used to be back in the day, remember, like the OJ Simpson chase and stuff like that. Yeah. That was on live TV for some reason. That, you know, someone thought it would be a good idea to put this on. <laughs> but he's saying, I'm watching this on live TV and I see they've got him surrounded. I'm like, okay, it's over with. Nah, bro. This guy did what you call suppression fire, meaning he had his gun in his hand. His hand came up. Yeah. He didn't. My man just said, Rah! Wow. All them police were like, nah, that's long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, like, I died listening to that guy, man. I think that particular one is called Voodoo Child, right? Check it out on YouTube. But yeah, Voodoo Child, Eddie Griffin, go check that one out. Just check that out. From Rip, he's killing you, bro. He's killing you from the go. So, Eddie Griffin, man, and his comedy evolved as he got older you know obviously life experiences and stuff like that and he had one um a special code you can tell him i said it now this one's a little bit more recent i'm not going to get into what was in that because it could be a spoiler thing but check it out as well uh eddie griffin has to be one of my definite definite top comedians i'm not going to rank him but he's up there all right okay okay right so my one right now like i said it's no particular order um but one that's always had me on anything he done and like i said it's 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 comic first um it just reminds me it's just like a you know like you used to watch the uh <coughs> i don't know if you used to watch it when you were younger you used to have these little tv shows and they always just sit in the corner or even in primary school you sit in the corner and someone tells stories to you yeah so my guy now bernie mac okay yeah <laughs> now so for anyone that knows bernie mac like Bernie Mac is 100% on crud, 100% keep it real, like fan base, booing, none of that stuff can can phase this guy, he will actually put you in your place, but on top of that, he was probably the most original storyteller um, when it came to his comedian, his comedian platform, um, I don't know if you've seen many of his stand-ups and stuff like that, I think one of the well, best ones I've seen them all. Right, but one that kind of got me, and it's probably got a lot of you guys as well, was Kings of Comedy. Do you remember that? The original Kings of Comedy. I've got it on my hard drive right, right. So now. The original Kings of Comedy. You, you had so many different ones, different scenarios that he went through. But the one that killed me the most was about him and the three kids, which actually remember actually turned into a TV sitcom, didn't it? The Bernie Mac Show. Yeah, the Bernie Mac Show. So that story there literally killed me in terms of how we started it, you know what I mean? Obviously went into court, saying he was gonna split custody, but he ended up with the kids and how the kids were always tested in different ways. Remember the part where he said that the kid was putting his finger under his nose to see if he's breathing and shit like that, you know? So he kind of, for me was, like, like I said, the absolute storyteller 
you know what I mean? The one, his mumble, his mumble mouth approach to it was the element, like, you know what I mean? When he used to, Carolina, you're gonna pray for me, Carolina. You know what I mean? That little kind of, like, little, that little kind of talk, the way he used to talk. He was so hilarious. And it kind of, it even kind of flowed onto even when he was in different, uh, in, in films like House Party. Anyone remember him in House Party? Yeah, I remember him in House Party. Um, when he was at the dinner table. some characters, bro. Like, what was it? The Players Club? Yeah, Players Club, Dollar Bill, you know. Um, so many different, well, you know what I mean? There's, there's a list that goes on. But like for him, like anytime I was in a way and I needed a joke, Bernie Mac was the one I went to. So Bernie Mac is one of my guys, 100%. Yeah, listen, that that is a big shout. Respect for that one and rest in peace to the Mac. Um, you know who you compare Bernie Mac to? He's that one uncle, yeah? Yeah. That doesn't have his own kids, but will, he will tell you about yourself, bro. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So, yeah. Who you got, Greg? What's your next one? Oof. I think you, you, you kind of... You got me on that one, man. Bernie Mac was definitely on my list. Um, let me bring it back around to the UK. Okay, who you got? This guy, I don't... I really don't know how many people know this guy because I'm not plugged into the UK comedy scene like that. I just like what I like, yeah? Um, but this guy is one of the funniest British comedians I've ever watched, right? He's one of two, actually. But he's my favourite. Um, Slim. You know this guy? No, not so I heard of him. Not really that familiar with the UK, yeah. Yeah, man, I've this guy... Him, though. I've seen him. I've seen him, but I'm not, I'm not really familiar with the UK scene when it comes to comedy. But go on, continue. Right. There used to be a thing on YouTube, um, Kojo's Comedy Funhouse, um, where he used to just he used to just host comedy nights and have different comedians come through and he'd record it on put it on YouTube. It's probably still up now. I've not searched for it for ages, um, but I, I got familiar with him through that. And you know what? How it happens? You just get into a YouTube wormhole, and yeah. I just I got like. 20 videos deep watching this guy man he, i was crying in every video bro he's got this one joke this is this joke honestly so he says he used to be a bus driver in it yeah imagine being a bus driver in london bro aggressive it's hard work so respect to all of those tfl drivers in london right now <laughs> yeah yeah so, the best time in their life. and he he was comparing it to also being a kid growing up in London catching bus and that you know you go to a market with your grandma and she's got that caddy yeah the, the yep. little trolley thing yeah he used to do so well he used to do every Saturday <laughs> yeah she, she'd have him dragging that trolley up and down Tottenham Court wow like and he's little like he's saying he's so small this trolley is bigger than him he's dragging it around all over and then they get to the bus he's trying to jump on the bus with this trolley he's trying to drag it up but man's doing deadlifts <laughs> dying and then once he became a driver he's seeing these little kids going through the same shit that he went through as a kid and he's just there laughing to himself and he said the one thing he used to hate was you know and he used to say especially young mothers would get onto on the bus with their kids and not control them yeah you'd have a kid just running around ringing the bell ringing the bell mad just ding 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 and one day he got so tired of that right he's looking in the rear view mirror this one kid is just pressing the bell and he's waiting he's driving he's waiting he's looking 
And as soon as that little kid's head lined up with the pole, man hit the brakes, slammed on the brakes, kid, pow! Oh, I don't see that now. That, yeah, the way you described it to me right now, it, it, it makes me reminisce because obviously that was my life on a Saturday. That was my life on a Saturday. Hey, bro, like I say, certain things people go through that you can't relate to, you can tell me them stories one day because. Nah. <laughs> oh, that yeah. And we have we'll talk about that another day. But yeah, definitely, I can remember that. And there's a lot of people that can remember that back in the day. No way. You have no idea. There's no way you could get out of it. No and way. You know why? Because honestly, your mom was sick of you. Yeah, it wasn't even my mom. It was my grandma that had me like this. <laughs> you know I'm saying because your mom was sick of you. She let go with Granny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she had me like that. She had me like that. So yeah. Boy. You know. You oh, bro. So that's 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 my first UK comedian there. Like you guys need to check him out. Uh, slim comedian on YouTube. Trust me, it's it's worth the worth the search. Right. Okay. Um, we're gonna go back in time a little bit. Right. I'm just gonna go. No introduction. Don't forget you're the OG around here, bro. I'm not in them classes. Right. So I'm gonna. I've I've, I've literally tried to cater this very well. So I'll give an honor mention to one or two at the end of when we finish this. Okay. Um. David Chappelle. David Chappelle. Right. So at first, when first when, when David Chappelle came out, I kind of didn't like him. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, "Oh, this guy is." This it was guy. the voice, isn't it? This guy is. Eh, is he though? You know what I mean? That was the mentality. But he done two skits, three skits maybe, that made me explode and blow the fuck up. And if you know what I'm talking oh, about, you know. The fuck. And forget the pause for a second, yeah. <laughs> he had been stitches. So you have. The two skits that he did with Charlie Murphy, yeah, and uh, Rick James. <laughs> R.I.P. Charlie, man. And he had the one that he did as Prince. You see these skits here? Oh my God! Listen, you use it. You don't understand how big sketch shows were to us back in the day. Definitely not. Sketch shows were the thing. That Rick James skit, bro. That shit. That has me getting <laughs> I was even watching it yesterday, bro. Like, you know what I mean? The stuff that he used to come out with, you know what I mean? He's like, you got Charlie Murphy talking about, yeah. Yeah, Rick James came over to my brother's house, man, and started sliding his feet in the couch. Fuck your couch, nigga. Fuck your couch. Yo, couch. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I messed that man's couch, so they punched him up, mashed up his legs. You know what I mean? Turned it into Logan Green, and he's like, they should have never given you wide niggas money. <laughs> it was the other one. Um. What did the five fingers say to the face? Is it slap? <laughs> Smack the shit out of my man, bro. So yeah. So when Chappelle started to go into this skit format, yo, it just had me in stitches. He's got the one, another one which he does as the crackhead, which is hilarious. And the other one that he done was when he was the president. Oh my god. Oh. That is. Oh, this is. I, remember this was dated back to the, no no I, well I got this one off uh, YouTube but you know what I'm talking about it? this was the era when they were talking about invading, invading Iraq yellow cake I had me in stitches so yeah and uh, Mos Def as well who knew Mos Def had comedy chops like that you know what I mean <laughs> in the CIA napkin <laughs> 100% bro Nah Dave Chappelle Is a big shout bro yeah, So If you think about Dave Chappelle now Even though He's putting a lot of 
like intellectual stuff in his comedy the way he's delivering it to you bro you can't help but laugh can't absolutely you can't yeah man there's your pal man this guy that offered him 50 million to do the show he said i'm out went to africa disappeared for three years but yeah uh, dave Chappelle. Oof, how do i follow that one how do i follow dave Chappelle? okay i got one for you yeah. <laughs> you got dave Chappelle. you got chris rock okay chris okay. rock is a literal idiot like if you imagine a class clown in school that's chris rock mm. that's, that's exactly how i would describe this guy you know you know if you think back to um what was one of his early ones bigger and blacker Pause. um bigger and blacker was like one of the first moments in the 90s where you're saying raw we're here you know modern young black comedy yeah we're not talking about the eddie murphys and those guys because they were already ogs because you're now starting to think who's next who's next who's next that was that was the moment when he came out with that one because you know he was addressing stuff in a way that appealed to the young people and the older people that's right that's right you know he's he's also for the some of the younger guys who know this uh he's done everybody hates chris the tv show um loosely based on his young young upbringing yeah um terry cruz is in there tashina arnold is in there do you guys remember who Tashina Arnold played on TV? No, I don't know. You got me stumped there as well. <laughs> she was Pam for Martin. Yes. You remember the Martin show? Yes. That's right. Yes. She was and now Pam she for Martin. TV. And now she does a TV show with Cedric the Entertainer, my yeah. neighbor. Yeah? Yeah. So, bro, these are OGs in the game, bro. Yeah, and so. I'm not going to put Martin Lawrence on my list because he didn't do enough stand up for me, I don't think. He had big ones. But it didn't do enough. Movies made him. I think the movies made it more. Yeah, hundred percent. And he falls into this category of the guys I like in terms of being an idiot. He's definitely an idiot on stage, but not enough stand-up comedy for me. Okay, okay. But yeah, Chris Rock. Please, please, people, I'm begging you, get to know about Chris Rock if you don't. If you need any recommendations, yo, hit me up. You know where I'm at on Twitter at CoachMGM, or hit up the pod at Demandir underscore Pod. I will give you recommendations, I swear down. Sounds by the bolo. I'm gonna give an honor mention to two and I'm I'm gonna start I'm gonna start argument with one, okay? So two honorable mentions, Eddie Murphy. If you know if you know Raw, fantastic. You know what I mean and stuff like that. So it's early stage in comic comic was yeah, Eddie's a bit bait though still. Yeah, so he just gets a brief on him. Richard Pryor, absolutely legend. And this might be over your head now, little man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but Richard Pryor absolutely you know what I mean from the early in the early days absolutely fantastic he's a sketch with about boxing if you need if you check it on YouTube that's quite <laughs> 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 <It's hilarious. laughs> hey Case let me tell you something bro you're on fire right now because I remember that sketch <laughs> <laughs> that stuff was hilarious yeah so absolutely there's special mention there Right, I'm not gonna give this rating, and I don't care who wants to argue with me. He's good, but he doesn't get into mine because I feel like he's a copycat, and that's Kevin Hart. Yeah, you're right. He is, bro. Look, I'm not gonna say. You know what? You know what? Nah, you're right. You're right. I'm not gonna say who. Yeah, but he he saw opportunity, and now this guy is. We know who he copied because they were very close to each other in terms of time. And then he got slick with now his business since now. He's got very slick with his comic shit. Very slick with it. 
So he's doing well. He is good, but for me, he's not an originator. No, no, he's not. If you want to argue by it, hit me up at Development Case or at Demandim Podcast. We can go out. I'm ready. Let's all. <laughs> Case wants all the smoke. Yeah, I'm nah, like when it comes to that, <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and act like I've not, you know, laughed at Kevin Hart stand up. I have. Trust me, I have. But yeah, he's just he's he's not in that league. Sorry, bro. We're talking about Champions League, bro. My 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 guys, you know, just got promoted from the Championship. I mean, it's nothing like I said in it. You are funny. Your stuff is funny, one hundred percent. But there's there's a lot of flaws there, homie. Yeah, there's only so far you can go with self-deprecating humor. You get what I'm saying? Like, okay, we get it, bro. If you're short, Jesus. You had some big shouts in there, bro. You had some big shouts. Okay, can I do an honorable mention then? 100%. 100%. This is my second British comedian, Richard Blackwood. <laughs> you know what? He's actually quite funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Blackwood, bro. Oh my goodness. Um, there's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put this on my Twitter, right? It's. He's talking about. London Dons in the ends how they used to approach girl on road <laughs> I'm not gonna make no descriptions not gonna say nothing yeah I'm just gonna let you guys watch it <laughs> then you can tell me what you thought yeah cause bro you man are different you know <laughs> <laughs> you London man on something else and don't tell me I don't I, I will refuse if you I'm gonna phone you make you watch it and then ask you, did you ever do this? You're not gonna lie to me and say you didn't. Okay. I'm not gonna accept that from you, bro. I'm gonna watch it. Oh man, Richard Blackwood, that's my honor honorable mention, man. Shout out to him. But yo, listen, get your comedy game up, people. It's important at a time like this. We need something to laugh at, you get me? And if you guys have any recommendations for us, again, hit us up on the timeline. Let us know. Yo, check out this check out this guy's stand-up, whatever. Hit us up. It's out there, people. Let's hear your views, man. I want all smoke. (laughs) (laughs) It's not smoke by force, bro. Some people are going to be in your mentions. Reckless. But, yo, I hate to do this, but we got to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Okay. How do I say this? You're getting brave, bro. Yeah, yeah. People are getting brave. And it's ever since this whole... You know what? It's always been there. Let's not let's not be funny. But ever since like the 2015, 2016 times, yeah, when set man were coming up, mm. people there have been getting brave with this racism thing, bro. Yeah, I think because of the nature of everything happening now, it's coming into the light a little bit more than anything else. Yeah, and I want to be clear. This is Greg speaking. I want my racist out here, bro. Don't hide. I like to know where you are. You get me? Don't surprise me with your racism. I like to know where they are. Some of you are getting carried away. Um, The reason I bring this up is because it's actually something that you sent to me this week, Case. Uh, You sent me uh, a post on Instagram. It was about... um, There was a girl who went on TikTok. Yeah, fake tan. You know what that was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's... It's obvious that you are not. You're not even mixed. We can tell. And then someone made a TikTok in response, like just clowning her. But then this original girl came back on a clap betting. Yeah, to one million. All the racism in her mouth, bro. All of it. 
She said everything but call her a monkey. Everything. She might as every well. Stereotype she might as well have called her a monkey. Pretty much. She hit every stereotype along the way. Yo, break it down for me, bro, because like I didn't deep it properly. I was just stunned. Okay. So we we're not we're not, we're not into the naming situations, or you know what I mean. We're just gonna go like 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 Greg said. You know what I mean? This girl had a lot of fake turn situation. Someone's made a comment about the situation. Now, I'll be fair, you know what I mean? And there's going to be other scenarios that we're going to put here today. I'll be fair. Maybe she shouldn't have put it. Maybe she might delay the, the recipient message to make it, make it, made it taken it the wrong way. However, it doesn't result in what the, the girl has said. So, the girl's come on and she's like, basically, if you ain't this particular person, keep scrolling. How can you talk to me like this when you wear clothes like that? Looks like your dad's trousers. He's probably still at the shop betting milk. And she put up the the sign, the milk, alleged sign, milk, hyphens. Yeah. You know them ones. I'm just going to buy cigarettes. Yeah, the speech marks. 20 years. Right. So she put that up and said, you know, like milk. You know what I mean? Then I was like, okay, that's not too bad. It's harsh, but it's not too bad. Then she goes on and says this. I wait for tan, but I can wash it off. You're stuck with it. I'd rather be my colour than yours. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Hold it there. Hold it there. Hold it there. Okay. I would rather be my colour than yours. Yes. So why the fuck have you got fake tan on then? So, obviously now everyone's starting to look at it and go, okay, she's, she's, she's getting buried. But she doesn't stop there, Greg. She doesn't stop there. So after that now... She's like, you know what I mean? She's, she, she's like, I'd rather be my, so I'd be rather my color than yours. She says, look at your hair. Looks like you've been dragged through a bush backwards, love. You know what I mean? Now, can I say something about that? That's when it got long for her, you know. <laughs> let's not, let's not. When she started talking about the hair, that's when it got long for her. Because if I look down at the responses on on Twitter, bruv. <laughs> that is. So now she thought, okay, she's hitting her now. Let, let me go even further. Now go back to the cotton fields and make me a t-shirt. And then at the end of it, she puts a picture of the slavery. Ain't that some shit, bro? Go back to the cotton field and make me a t-shirt. So now, first of all, I want to say this, isn't it? It's good to know that people are learning their history in school. That's the positive, yeah? But who's giving these people the audacity? Who's okay in this? Who's okay in this stuff? What parent out there is allowing sister this this stuff to happen? Who's enabling her prime minister, bro? That's your prime minister. He gave everybody the blank check. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, look, I'm not trying to. I'm not going to get into this uh, uh, black versus white situation because you know what? On the other side, there's some people on the on the black side that might kind of target white people. And there's another example that comes out in a minute. But let's stick to this one, Greg. Like. Your thoughts on it, please. I am not against putting hands on people in certain situations. You get me? Yeah. Like you ain't you don't have to come out a character, but sometimes you have to pattern it up. Like if you send for someone that didn't call for you, you have to be prepared for whatever their reaction is. Absolutely. You understand me? Like you can't say someone overreacted. If someone's over their mind in their business and you send for them, you cannot no matter what they do to you after. It's not an overreaction because you're not in charge of that. Exactly. You understand? So I understand the angle of people talking about um, this kid's mental health with everybody in her mentions dragging her, but she invited that energy. 
you don't put that energy out there it don't come back to you 100 100 you know what i'm trying to tell you bro so i cannot feel sorry for someone like that because and when i say they went for her in her mentions bro her mentions were in a shambles you can only imagine her mentions were in an absolute shambles bro you know, and I was, I, I'm scrolling thinking, bro, you remember on something else? No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's appalling that people are bringing this to the social platform, you know what I mean, and ruining it for people. Just, this is another one that I heard, and this is a, a, on a different situation. So, there's this black kid that's gone online, and every white person that he's seen with anything that kind of traits back to, to, to a black descendant or of black culture, he says, thank you, can I have it back? Who said it's yours, bro? Thank you. I need, I, need, I need to address this because, like, even the thing about, what's it called, cultural appropriation? Yeah. Who, who gave you ownership or something like that, bro? Who gave any of us ownership or anything like that? You understand what I'm saying? Do you know what the complaint about cultural appropriation is really? Credit. Credit. Yeah. People want credit. Bro, can you eat your credit? Can't eat your credit. It's not gonna put food on my table, bro. Get paid for what you get, what you can get paid for. Stop looking for clout, bro. Like, if someone's got cornrows, do you want them to say, "Hey, shout out to the black community, Black Lives Matter, rare tater"? Why? Why? Got cornrows in their head, man. Let them cook. And it's just the shallow mentality of these youth today. Like, you know what I mean? They say things out there, thinking that there's no repercussion, and but all they're looking for, like you said, is, is credit. Yeah, and I've got some relatives in the states uh, relatives who grew up there as well and you know i don't talk to them very often but when we talk you know this might come up a little bit and they like this phrase black people can't be racist i say okay you know what depends on where you grow up <laughs> depends on where you're from true because let me tell you something for a fact black people can definitely be racist in africa 100 percent. 100 percent. where i'm from they used to duck man down just for being white exactly i've seen it you all know about the Zimbabwe situation. They ran the farmers off. Is that not racism? 100%. 100%. So I'm not the guy you can approach with a stupid statement like black people can't be racist. Maybe the dynamic is different in this part of the world, in the UK, in Europe, in America and stuff like that. But where the dynamic is flipped, 100% black people can be racist in Africa. And I'm telling you what, some of the racism I've seen from black people in Africa is worse than what I've seen from white people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's out there and it's, it's, it's really bad. Just another one that I'm going to say to you quickly, Greg. And, and like I said, we won't spend too much time on this one. Because um, <laughs> it's actually quite funny as well. So a girl's come on Instagram and she's like this. I've spoken. Listen to what I say and then you can, and I know what the first, the first question out of your mouth when I say this, I know what you're going to say. Hopefully I should know what you're going to say. So she goes like this. Alright, so I've spoken to my stepdad and I've been okay by my other stepdad and my other stepdad and my other stepdad and my other stepdad so I'm just going to come out and say it. This is a white girl by the way. Nigga. What? 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 Someone say something. Nigga, what? I said it. What's the first thing that you're going to say to me, bro? Now you got you got this twisted, my girl. Like, what the fuck? Who's okay in this? Who's this, who's this stepdad? Right, so... It's not even the stepdad. Let's talk plural. She says she oh she got the okay by four stepdads, bro. Four. Okay, now I see where you're going with this. That doesn't mean they were at the same time, bro. No. My point is, how many stepdads do you have in your age, in your in your time, bro? Like, what's really going on with your mom? 
Yes. Who's saying this? Okay? Dread, bro. No, I don't care. I'm saying what everyone else is thinking, bro. I'm telling you now. You've actually co-signed it and got co-signing from from four stepfathers, yeah. And they all said that you can say. Did they really say you can say it first and all? Secondly, all right, so let's address it like this because, right? Let's let's not be getting people fucked up out here, right? There are certain co-signs that you can get. But you have to keep that within your group dynamic, whatever that group is. You get me? 100%. You can't now come out of your borders with that because we didn't give you the visa. Good. <laughs> it's just... It might not even be as deep as what we're talking about. You can't now come outside of that group or someone from outside that group come in and use that terminology because it's not the same thing. Absolutely. You've not got that pass. You're not part of this. So it can't be a case of we might have that one white friend that we let him, you know, fire one off once in a while in our in our group. But do it here, bro. Don't go outside and do that. In your zone. Stay set. Keep it sacred. You know what I mean? And that's even on the reverse. If, if, if there's any ethnic that takes offense to any terminology, you keep that in your zone. You don't kind of go out there and feel free that you can say it and stuff like that. And I just feel like it's very appalling that our youth today are, are finding the courage and the braveness to come on public knowledge, especially when we know how kids are getting dealt with on the roads. Speaking of getting dealt with, I've got one for you. Go for it. Bro, is this one done? I don't know if they're on a subway train or on a bus. I don't know what it actually is, but they're on public transport in America. Yes. And he's going at this Chinese man's neck, bro. Oh, is this the one? Oh, yeah. This is the link that you sent me the other day. Yeah, he's at his neck and he's going on reckless, bro. Wow. To the extent, like, he. D- this man is so racist, he doesn't even know the term that he wants to use. He's calling this Chinese guy nigger. He calls him Chinese nigger. Taking the wrong approach on the front. Right? Mm. And as you can imagine, look, I'm gonna say I don't care. Old white man. You'd expect that to be the person doing this, right? Mm. Cool. The Chinese don he sat next to another white dude. The racist mm. dude walks up on this Chinese guy to give him abuse. My guy stands up and walks the fuck off. You a bitch for that, you know? Well up there, you could have you could have diffused the situation. But he chose to walk away from not, I like even saying to do something about it, maybe not. But where he sat, you're actually a barrier between this guy and the Chinese dude and you removed yourself as a barrier. Yeah. You know, and then obviously once he does that, this 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 racist dude starts throwing slaps. And uh, yeah, and I see that the, the Asian gentleman stayed very calm, you know what I mean, tried to kind of just focus and let it win the route. But this guy was pushing him, pushing him and pushing him. I'm going to tell you something like for free. That couldn't have been me in any one of these situations on that uh, train. I couldn't have been the Chinese guy. I couldn't have been the guy sat next to him. I couldn't have been anyone else on that train. Man's going to prison. You know what? I think in my time, I've kind of come across quite a few people that say that I've laughed it off. I just don't know how to, it's, it's not a laughable because I think it's funny, it's just, I don't know how to react in this situation anymore, like, you know it's, what I mean? It's, like it's, I it's, it's, it's just, bro, what happened to basic public order, bro? Yeah, and I agree with that. Like, I've been on a bus, yeah, with these younger kids, and I knew they were coming from college because they had their passes on, 
and it was a group of guys and a different group of girls from the same college and i'm on the one of them one of these boys just he starts cussing one of these girls calling her a bitch he said it i had my headphones on so i'm listening to music so he was he must have been shouting for me to hear it yeah i heard something but i take my headphones i'll pause my music he says it again i turn around and you know he's got one of them shit eating grins on his face because he's obviously playing up for the crowd yeah and then he says it again bro i stood up on my seat i walked up on his boy i said you got one more time to say that bro yeah and that's that's public chicken and and he's like what's it got to do with you it's not your business i made it my business now what say it again i beg of you bro say it again like but i wasn't the only person on this bus outside that group yeah why is nobody saying nothing to this little bastard Listen, I I relate. I like I said, I relate to you. You know, when I first moved up here, you know what I saw on Piccadilly? Mm. There was this, and this, uh, <laughs> and like I said, Nick, there was this bunch of girls, and they were they were Islamic. I'm gonna keep it real, and they were bullying this white girl, bro, like 100%, punching her in her head. Nothing. The girl wasn't doing nothing, and I'm looking at it because that's at, for, at the moment I'm walking through and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, it's gonna die down, or maybe someone because I'm quite far in front. I'm thinking maybe someone's gonna defuse it or nothing. No, literally everybody's watching it happen, bro. I had to come all the way back. You know what I'm saying? All the way back. I had to come all the way back. I didn't even talk too much. I just broke it up. Told him to go the other way. Yo, well, is this? Can I call that selfishness? You can. And I and I do say it's selfishness. Like there's part of people that don't want to get involved in the situation, but it's a it's a civil move, isn't it? Like you, you know what I mean? You just see something that's wrong. And, and just try to dissolve it you know what I mean you assess yeah, the situation like, it's just weird bro like there was once a situation I don't know if I told you about this there was once a situation at um, Manchester Basketball Centre right it was like um, a Saturday morning yeah like late Saturday morning you know community sessions and all that so kids about now I'm on one of the the further courts from the entrance and I just heard commotion on one of these courts like this is the session had just ended and I'm hearing commotion and I, I look around and I realize, okay, I'm probably the the only member of staff here, of only proper member of staff here, not the casual coaches, right? Yeah. So I'm going to go deal with it. As far as I know, I'm just dealing with the fact that there's people in here being loud, acting a fool. So I roll up on this, um, there's a kid, I want to say he's about 15 or 16, yeah. and his mom, and there's another guy that you know they're having a shouting match so i roll up on him i'm like yo keep it down in it yeah this obviously he's, he's feeling brave because his mom's with him in it yeah so this little 15 16 year old kid is like no fuck that i'm like okay now you gotta go like i'm i'm i didn't get the chance to but i was about to grip him up and throw him out but he he saw from my body language that now i'm rolling up on you in it <laughs> so he he starts backing up and he's walking out cursing the whole way and i'm like yo watch your mouth you know like stop swearing this kids here yeah but at the same time it's still nobody saying nothing to him number one number two like i said his mom is there she's allowing him to let these curses fly bro like really she's co-signed it bro yeah yo, look around there are about 56 to eight year olds in this building listening to you cussing like that Bro, and it's like uh, uh, I don't understand number one why it's okay with mom for you to speak like this in front of 
other people you're talking to an adult by the way this other man that he was shouting at yeah could man have ever done that not my life not in my, not in my day no way. my mom would have given me round house kick to the jaw I've had lights out on many occasions from my mom I know enough man <laughs> I know what's wrong you know what I'm saying and honestly everybody that watched this guy in this video do this to this Chinese man you're a straight bitch all of you everybody who was in that situation and if you're the person who would allow this to happen you are as much the problem as the dude who was abusing the guy 100% because anything that goes unchecked you think it's okay yeah I totally agree with you on that totally and obviously someone's recording because there's a video we're watching if you smack this guy up and patting him up you can actually show to the police and say look this is the situation I wasn't in the wrong yeah so as you've met a good thing you mentioned Eric what is with people like when something happens the first thing they do is grab the phone and start recording now, 9 out of 10 of these people, when they grab the phone and start recording, bro, it's not even getting used to, to, to sort our dealer situation, bro. It's just fucking a media. Five-letter word, clout. I just can't believe it. I just can't believe 100%. it. Everyone that grabs their phone in a situation like this and gets a recording, you know what they're thinking of? They're thinking of these social media views. Yeah. That is what they're thinking of. Need to do better, guys. Need to do better. And you see, you know, you know, if you've been to say, let's just keep it to a basketball game. Yeah, I, watch the game, but why have you got your phone in your hand recording? They're recording because they're hoping something can happen that they can put on their Instagram or Twitter and say, look, yo, yo, wait to look at this play, yo. You're not really that watching this. Dead. That there is dead. Watch the game, bro. Experience the game for yourself. If someone's not here, you know what? This is how it used to go. You know, in our times. Yo, you should have been at the game, bro. You were sick. This happened, that happened. That word of mouth. Now you want to go to the game so you can experience it yourself. But because I don't have to be there, you're going to record everything. I don't have to come. I don't have to come. Or if you are there, you're, you're kind of get you're, you're using it as a platform to get your likes up at the basketball game. Blah blah blah. But you're not watching it. <laughs> yeah, think about what it was like when you went to college. On Monday, a man them were talking about yo. If you'd have seen this man dunking all over, man, that's the only time you could see it because you had to be there to view. Exactly. Now you knew that no, fam. The next game, I'm there. But now it's not the case because I want to. Yeah, one of you is going to record it and put it on the time, and I'll see it that way. And that again is another part of the problem of socializing today. But we'll go into that on another top on another day. Definitely. Yeah, man. So listen, this is my conclusion to this topic if something is happening around you that you know ain't right and you don't say or do nothing about it you are as much an op as the person that's doing it enabler that's what you are an enabler an enabler bro disgusting disgusting but yeah we're off that um but here's another thing that kind of me. so you've seen how people have been on instagram live doing like these celebrities doing instagram live with yeah. regular fans and that like obviously you've seen what's it called the quarantine radio with Tory Lanez. Oh, you know what? That yeah. would nah, no. Let's 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 not get. I know what you're gonna say. Just left it, bro. Left it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> just just left it. <laughs> but yeah, um, Swarms has been doing his own, yeah. Yeah. And this pissed me off. He ended up doing an Instagram post addressing people because, and I don't use this word lightly. People have been hating on him saying, oh, you're getting guessed over just 100,000 views on your Instagram live. 
why 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 do we hate to see people flourishing bro and we do not want to support our own these are the same man you tune into tory lanes's um quarantine radio thing on his ig live when there's a guy probably from your ends yeah. doing the same thing and you don't want to you know show him no love for that what is that about Right, so there's one thing that I used to always say when I was coaching back in London. When we saw somebody that was doing or progressing very well and they had people that did not kind of support the cause or be negative for it, we call that enemy of progress, bro. EP. Enemy of progress, we call that. Enemy of progress. You know what I mean? It's sad that people can't, like, you know what I mean, support their local cause or somebody that they know is doing really well, but rather tune in to someone that's getting all the hits. You know what I mean? Instead of looking at care of looking after the people that's really close to them. And, and you know what? That's been a topic that someone I've been having discussion with my sister for, for quite a while. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of we've got them young entrepreneurs that people are trying to push through. You know what I mean? It's either a clothing clothing label, music, a restaurant, you know? Um I, I don't know what to tell you, Greg. You know what I mean? Like I said, for me, it's an enemy of progress situation. You know what I mean? For me, you should be wanting to support the cause or helping out wherever you can, promoting situations. All right, so for example, um, there's a guy that I met this year, probably was, well, early this year, but now we've become really close and I'm going to shout him out. So shout out to Remy, okay? Um, or some of you might know him as Remy Sound on Instagram. Um, when I got to know him properly, you know what I mean? This guy is trying to do really well so he's doing his music stuff but the only thing that people never know is that he's got his own cast that he runs called Delios which is in Oldham okay I didn't know about this before but as soon as he told me about this cast the, most, the first thing I said to him is bro just give me some of the stuff and I will push it for you I have no issue I'm like why is no one around you pushing this before he's like I don't know I don't want to ask anyone it's, it's not, you don't have to ask anyone the thing is you don't have to ask people like, if they're your friends, they should want to be shouting for your cause. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is what I'm saying, bro. And it's as simple as this. Like, it's not... I, I posted something about this um, earlier in the week, even before I saw the Swarms thing, because it was just, you know, something I saw when I was scrolling on the timeline. Yeah. Where someone was complaining about, you know, if your friends don't promote your stuff, and I said, okay, you know what? That is true. Your friends should be the first ones promoting your thing. But for me, it's not by force. No, it's not. Oh, if you're gonna promote my thing, promote it because you believe in it. You want to do Don't it. be out here gassing me up. If I'm not on level, you have to let me know so I can level up. Yeah, of course. And um, some of the things that I was looking at, which we're talking about now, and and this, this some of the things is you you'd be surprised how much someone that's trying to push their own brand. So like obviously with you, Greg, let's say you're pushing your own brand. You know what I mean? It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the rise and fall of the situation. So, you know what I mean? When you're making your progress, you want to be able to speak to someone about it. When you're going through your stress and stuff like that, you want to speak to someone about it. You know what I mean? You know what? You want to you wanna have constructive criticism. You know what I mean? You want feedback. You want someone to help enrich it. You know what I mean? But this is, you want genuine people to do it. So, for me, if, if your initial reaction is to someone that, one of your friends that you're not willing to, to, to take their stuff on board and say, you know what? Let me just push this. Like, what, what, what are you, what are you envious of? What are you envying? Like, really? And that's really what it comes down to as well. But, like, just to drive the point home. So, obviously, you started your Manchester Kings program and stuff like that. Mm. And 
you know that's from a, a sort of local league community level when you first started it and it that's pretty much what it still is up to now yeah and like you had all your stuff on social media and stuff like that before i ever hit a like or hit a retweet i said and i said this to you so yo let me come down to practice let me see what you're doing let me see a couple of your games yeah and we'll talk about it yeah and that's why i came down saw your practice i was like okay you got a lot of really young local guys here you know the type of guys if they weren't doing this they'd be on some crib yeah you know I, I know some of these characters and so i saw what you were doing with it so once i recognized what it was that you were doing i was like okay i see what you got here now i'm gonna get to plug in your stuff yep and you know and you stuck to your word and you supported the cause at every opportunity even when we were coaching at manchester together and you went off with on your thing you were still touching in base and seeing what was happening and vice versa we used to have our little get-togethers on a monday at michi after you know what i mean we used to discuss everything and everything right. sorry sorry now that you bring that up i've got a story to tell <laughs> yo yo you're gonna hate the fact that i'm telling this story but this is <laughs> I, I still shake my head but i laugh about it as well um so at university of manchester i was only contracted and paid to coach the men's first team right <laughs> so obviously anything i do beyond that is on my own time and my own dime not a problem i thought you know what let me help out with the women's program this is a club at the end of the day at a university no matter how you look at it it's a basketball club or at least that's how it should be so where i could i'd help out with the women's situation um we we kind of um helped each other out with the practice situation as well where if there was a day where i had a half hour practice more than you had on your time slot we'd i'd i'd take that half hour and we'd split half courts yeah so we essentially both have the same two hours and then when you had the two hours and i had an hour and a half you do the same so we always both had two hours of practice essentially so that was cool so now um i decided to rock with you on this one particular day when you had a game i'm not going to say who it was against they don't need to be involved in the story um you were playing this team local local university as well um and everyone i don't care who you are everyone is a coach there's that one pet peeve that you have as far as officiating goes right for me it's hand checking right for you it's hooking in the post oh right and i'm not gonna i saw what you were seeing this girl close friend of mine as well lots of love for you i'm not gonna say your name but you were, hooking, you were getting away with murder you know who you were <laughs> you were getting away with murder here's case that's what we're doing today to the ref that's what we're doing today we'll just go hook my man tries to act like he don't hear nothing okay cool play goes on it happens again on the way past case is still calm now your ref just have a look she's hooking in the post every single time like ask yourself why that dead move is working every time he said that ask yourself why that dead move is working every time she's hooking all right let's go third time and i swear this is in a row by the way she does it again yo she's hooking bang tech okay she's like what yeah. so you got all that energy to be taking me up when you don't even want to be watching the post properly when she's getting away with literal murder every time she's in the post ref tries to get a little bit cheeky i'm not gonna lie he tries to get a little bit cheeky have a little back and forth case is not letting this go bro you, you are not about to take this hell <laughs> No, nope. yo, 
if she hooks again and scores, that's your basket, ref. You scored that because you're seeing her do it and you're letting it, bruv, man, would not let it go. Ref is like, nah, this is long. Bang, tech. Okay, girl, you got this man walked off. <laughs> so I'm still there thinking, raw, you set me up. You knew you wanted that second tech. You didn't even say nothing to man. Oh, I'm not going to confirm or deny. All I'm saying is, yeah, at the end of the day, just, just, just ref here, innit? <laughs> you set man up, bruv. Oh, you had my back. This is what we have. This is what we do in it. You got each other's back. I was in a crisis. You came. You tried to come through for me. But what I'm trying to say to you on, and this is on the refereeing front, yeah. Just with the game right in it. Then we, us coaches don't need to get on you. I know you're not perfect, but you can do something. If something's been cool and it's blatant, say something in it. Mm, and getting right. back to supporting your people, I want to shout someone out because this is a conversation I've had with him directly. Yeah. Right. Shout out to Feme Olayeme F Triple E M O Fimo. Right. Femi does his little thing MCing. He puts his stuff on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, them ones there, yeah? Yep. Now this is summer I grew up knowing quite a few people in his family. I've mentioned that before, right? I know his older brother, two older brothers, I know him, I know his sister. I know the younger brother. I know. I don't know if there's anyone else out there that I'm not aware of in terms of the siblings. But from what I'm aware of, I know them all. Yeah? It would have been the easiest thing for me. Yo, who does Femi think he is, man? Who's MC thing? But your bars are dead. I said, no, 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 no. Yo, Femi, I heard you. I seen him at, you know, Monday Night Leagues at Amici. Yeah. Yo, Femi, send me some of your, some of your music. Let me hear that. Let me see what you're working with. He sends it through. I listen. I'm like, hey, yo, this is all right, you know. You know, he's he's on a grime thing, so that I listen to a lot of grime. You and I listen to some, you know. You don't there's some guys I listen to who literally only have one song. You know what I mean, them guys. Yeah. How am I gonna listen to that person's song, yeah, and not listen to what Femi's got, especially if it's actually good? I'm not giving people a chance. You know what I'm saying? So he sent it through, and then. I'm going to tell you something else. The first place I seen this one kid whose name I'm about to say was on a video with Femi freestyling in a garage. H. That's the first time I seen him anywhere. H. Yeah, H, yeah. Yep. Right? And obviously H is out here doing his thing. But trust me when I say this, it was bar for bar. Yeah, I seen that video. I think that video was really good. Even the bars were amazing as well. They were both Hold with it. Yep. So shout out to Femi for that. Even though basketball, you're on this petty stuff. This petty stuff. <laughs> Yo, Femi will call a foul for you looking at man, bro. Yeah. Even though you're on basketball, on this petty stuff for your music is inc- is really good, really good. Yeah. So, like, shout like he's. I, I, I to this day, I support whatever he puts out. And by the way. One time he put out a track that I thought was a little bit dead. I messaged him straight away. I was like, Femi, come on now. The feedback that's required though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, bro, come on now. Like, well, what was that one? That, 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 that one was not it. But the only reason, the only reason I can do that and he takes it is why? You've been there. Because been there. he knows I actually pay attention. Yeah. That's this really- is not me hating. Because some of you would just say, yo, Man will put his post on on Facebook, or whatever. You've not even listened to it, yo. That's dead. Why? I feel like we could. What we should maybe do, maybe starting from maybe next week or something, is kind of promote, kind of push out a few 
people that we know in terms of what they're doing as an entrepreneur and try to get it put, give it some exposure. What do you reckon? I am on it, and it doesn't even really have to be someone we know. If you're doing something, yeah, if you're putting in work, send what? it through. What like, s- give us your inst- your Instagrams, your Twitters, or whatever. Let us check out your stuff. We'll have a look at it, and we'll give you our honest feedback straight up. We don't have to necessarily put it on the pod. If we really like it, yeah, we'll put it on the pod. But otherwise, we'll get straight back to you directly and tell you what we think. So. Yeah, I'll call it underground hype, bro. Underground hype section every week on the pod. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's a big shout case, man. We're gonna start doing that because I'm I'm sick and tired of this. I got a man, you know, blowing hundreds of pounds on ugly ass Gucci belts, but you won't wear the tracksuits that your friends making, and you're a guy that wears tracksuits as well. Don't make no sense. Don't make no sense. You know, it's like. Stefan Gill, who, by the way, we spoke about on last week's pod, he's been blowing up this week, man. If you see his video that he, that's on, on the timeline right now, yeah, the for speaking about him in the background, that video is mad. I've just seen it just now. That's a really, you know what, it's a really good video. And, and if you didn't know what Stefan Gill was about when we were talking, watch that video and you'll see for yourself. But yeah, he's got his own... Um, and what the hell was that? <laughs> You alright, bro? Yeah, man. Got that wrong owner. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, Stefan's got his company, Enhanced Performance, as uh, personal training, strength and conditioning. Right? And like I say again, I'm not plugging your thing if I don't believe in it. Catch me walking around in my blue enhanced t-shirt and my red enhanced cap. So I'm telling you something straight away. Alright? He's the truth. And if you don't believe he's the truth, go and see him. Just get on his page and see him. Alright? He's a machine. Alright? So listen, support your people. And they don't even really have to be your people. Support local, bro. These these big corporations, they don't need your money. They got celebrities for that. Exactly. Support local. Help them aim big. And by the way, by the way, do you know what, by turnover, what's the biggest clothing company in the world? Fruit of the Loom. When you put it like that, yeah. (laughs) All right. So what you think is this awesome, great brand, is it though? Is it though? They they, they push out everywhere though. Their distribution is ridiculous. Nah, man. Fuck their business practices. Like Louis Vuitton, they burn excess products. So that it never ends up on the resale market at cheap rates. They burn it for that reason. They've said so. Fuck them. And furthermore, these fashion houses that you guys, you guys like to support, they are founded and run by some of the biggest racists on planet Earth. Remember what Tommy Hilfiger said about the Mandem? She's not the only one. You got Tommy Hilfiger. You got the Crystal Donny. You got Timberland. Can you get me? You got so, oh, you know the, the recent one was uh, Prosecco. He was racist about the, the, the Chinese. So the Chinese decided to boycott his stuff and now he apologizes. See, that's an L. If the Chinese, think about the population of China. If they're boycotting your thing, bro, that's an L. That's a big revenue drop. Big revenue drop. Alright, you, listen, you, you guys, you have power in your pocket to change someone's life. Alright? Put that energy out there of supporting each other. And I, I promise you, when you go to start your own thing, it will be reciprocated. Absolutely. It'll be there for you. You know what I'm saying? So, by recent trends, <laughs> it's been a short one this week. <laughs> yeah, it has actually. It has been a short one this week. Um, 
No, but I have to say this. Even though the episodes have been getting a little bit long, you guys are still tuning in and listening in your numbers as well. We're not going to put the numbers out there, but we checked um, just yesterday, Case and I. And, bro, it's crazy. We appreciate it, definitely, man. You know what I mean? The more the merrier. Like we said, like, share, subscribe, man. You know what I mean? Um, it, it is honestly, we had this, we've been pondering with this plan for a while, and to actually have it now is it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, man, 100%. And obviously, like I said, we appreciate you guys listening. But I need to say this, like, hit that subscribe button. It makes a huge difference when you do that because it's a better chance of someone else seeing it in the algorithm when you do that. So, you know, if you hit the subscribe button at 10 a.m. every Monday, you get me? We're on time every time. Every time. And every time, you, like, every one of you that hit subscribe, you're making it, you know, easier for someone else to find us. So that would be definitely appreciated. Uh, if for you to do that um, Obviously like we say every week At us on Twitter At Demande underscore pod Myself Greg that's at Coach MGM Case Myself is at Development Case Yeah man as usual thanks for tuning in We appreciate you spending your time with us And we'll holler at you Yeah, yeah man peace Peace out peoples